the USL show, also known as The View for Soccer. I gave a very pro wrestling heel turn, I'm sorry you were offended apology. The US military discussing what a Naruto run is for the Area 51 raid. I feel angry. Welcome everyone to the USL show. It's brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Uh, my computer died in the middle of this um, show, and luckily I had another computer kind of going at the same time to try to do our live feed, and I was able to switch it mid-show, um, but this is a weird one. I apologize. This is just me, Evan, and Ryan, and uh, you're just going to come in a little bit middle of the show, uh, maybe a third of the way through, actually, so sorry about that, but at least you hear a little bit of our banter. It's a very bantery show anyway, so I think you'll be okay. Um, but I also wanted to say that at the end of this, um, I was able to talk to Dom from Rising is One and um, Rising is One podcast, another uh, podcast on the Beautiful Game Network. And we talked about um, how Phoenix lost and how they got to that point and um, even a little bit about the final at the end um, since he knows the Western teams. So I uh, hope you enjoy the show as it is. Uh, sorry about the bad quality here, but I'm trying to throw this together at work. So, you know. This is how the USL show rolls sometimes, but enjoy it if you can and will. You're not going to be sure. in a job two years from now, and you're just a placeholder. What motivation does that guy have to try and want to coach well in his job? What motivation does he have going forward? Yeah, it, you know, it's tricky. Um, and we'll see. I don't know what they're going to do, but they'll – I mean – uh, yeah, I, that's very Cincinnati sort of territory. I mean, Nashville, we saw it. They hired Gary Smith, and that's just going to be their guy. Um, and that's fine, but I know, like, some people are very um, – or, or, well, they're not thrilled that he was, you know, like an MLS 1.0 coach, and now he's back in the league. Um, and not that I think – you know, Elliot was the guy to take sack to, to MLS. I, I, I don't know. But it's like not. They've been approved for it. You have to think that's going to be on the back of every single player's coaching staff and fans yeah. mind that any decision made from this point out should be to benefit Sacramento Republic year one in MLS and to avoid a Cincinnati-esque entrance into the league that any decision that players are going to be playing for MLS contracts Coaching staff is going to be playing to get a job at the next level. Yeah. Um, but I do think, like, if you're Sac Republic, and I, I think Nashville wanted it too, it's like you still want to have that momentum of your or your last season or two in USL, like, going well. Yeah, and that's how you want to have the kind of same continuity of having the yeah. same manager going into MLS from USL, even if it's not the long-term goal it's at least easy to have that same continuity and bridge to kind of build that gap from usl mm. towards mls i think there's something to that too i like what you guys were going for there i mean it'll be interesting yeah 
Harry posed this question earlier in the week on Twitter talking about the multiple different sides who have uh, no manager currently, Oklahoma City, San Antonio, Hartford, Sacramento, among them in Ottawa who will not have a team tomorrow. Who won't have a team for a year, hopefully, but the worst may come. And basically it said that I think Sacramento is the best opening and that no manager in the league would want to touch Hartford with a a 10-and-a-half-foot pole. Well, they also wouldn't get paid to do it, allegedly. So hmm. that helps. But what is the best job? I mean, Sacramento's got to be the answer, right? Yeah. Sacramento yeah. hiring for MLS. If not, I'd say San Antonio if Sacramento's hi- hiring a placeholder. Yeah, San Antonio's. I Sacramento's just the best job in general, though. I don't know. San Antonio is interesting because they do have that academy that has a lot more potential than I think people realize. I just listened to the Total Soccer Show talk about USL academies being pointless. I mean, they literally said it, and I I just wanted Mm -hmm. to scream at them and be like, there's potential. You know, like, it's untapped at this point, um, and I understand why they feel that way. But it has potential, and I think if you listen to that podcast, if you listen to what Orange County is trying to do with their academy yes. and with their USL team, like that's the model, and everyone needs to get on board because there's potential there. So. But, I mean, that's all to serve LAFC. <sighs> but it, I also think it's uh, a <laughs> I get that. I get that. For USL academies, Regardless, if they can keep doing what they're doing right now and trying to be successful and people can say it's pointless, or if they do nothing, people will point at these at these USL teams and ask, like, why aren't you doing an academy? Why aren't you trying to build up from oh, youth? Phil, I, I think the better counter to USL academies are pointless is name me the last Columbus Crew Academy kid that wasn't Will Trap that came up through their first team. Or, like, name yeah. me the... Minnesota United Academy kid that's like yeah just about to break the like there's a couple of MLS academies that are pointless there's a lot actually so I'm glad you brought that up because I think someone more in the know than me mentioned that there are like three or four MLS academies that are trying you know the union uh, Red Bull are always there yes like the uh, obvious ones, right? Dallas are always there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dallas, yeah, for sure. Dallas and Red Bull is to the best, in my opinion. I think Galaxy and Monarchs are up there because they're able to pull like really talented Houston players. Houston now with Tab Ramos. I hope. Seattle. Let's hope, right? But they he, also he talked about Toronto. No, no, uh, no, uh, no, 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 we're naming teams that at least have given at least an effort and Toronto didn't finish bottom of league one. I think there are teams who try and, and they just don't have it down yet or they're not willing to yeah. double down on it either. Um, yeah. The teams we listed as being successful, like it's top to bottom. They're willing to take a chance, you know, well, but it's because they don't spend money by and large, but on their first team. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that or too. The, well, or the amount of money that other teams are spending, I guess. I yeah. Don't know. But I think part and of Red that. Red Bull's a weird one because New York Red Bull are basically just a feeder system for yes. Salzburg and Leipzig. So. 
anyway, it's like tippy top. Uh, defending Toronto because they have players who have moved up from their two side. But your catchment area in. is like three provinces long. It's like, huge. Yeah, <laughs> Roster, Jonathan Osorio, Jordan Hamilton have all been players who've moved up through there. Obviously, Jordan Hamilton is no That's longer fair. on the side, but and they've still produced players at some point over their system. Real Salt Lake has like nine states worth of territory. <laughs> like you're bound to get a couple when you have that much room to work with. Unless I'm growing rights at work. Well, uh, the territories are disappearing anyway, so actually it might get fair. a little more interesting there. But Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of territories, El Paso made their home field a, a pretty – pretty good one they beat the sacramento republic but we'll uh we'll move on there's a fair bit of news and then i want to get to some questions i need to reprimand our good friend jason weintraub for being a terrible <laughs> um so that being said uh news coming out of of uh the nation's capital ottawa ontario canada um cbc broke it at like 5 30 this afternoon uh eastern time the ottawa fury are apparently folding in 2020 um if you'll recall, earlier this year, the Canadian uh, Soccer Association didn't want to sanction them for USL. Sort of last-minute turnaround and said, all right, you can play there. Uh, and and now, I imagine, doesn't want them to do that again, which is fine. But the, uh, the rumor going around is that there's really nothing in the books for them in the Canadian Premiership, at least this calendar year coming up. Uh, will they come back? Yeah, maybe. Um, hope so. But I, this is always such a, um, I hate when this happens because I, I think, I don't think Phil Ryan or I or Pony or like a lot of the people that we talk to are naive enough when someone says, Oh, we'll come back in 2020 or 2021 that we're like, yeah, yeah, you will. Mm. And we just go, all right, there's another team in the elephant graveyard. Um, and I, I really hope that's not the case with the Fury. I really hope they end up in the Canadian Premiership. I think they're kind of um, at odds with uh, the Federation as far as playing in USL. And and I would much rather see them play Calgary and Winnipeg and Edmonton and Halifax and, and Hamilton than uh, Birmingham and Tampa Bay again. Uh, but I, I just, you know, I, I was more wondering who's going to pick up Carl Hayworth for next year than, you know, what happens to Ottawa in 2021. It's that big concern that once you go on hiatus, that it's so much tougher to return to playing. We've seen that with Rochester. We've seen that with Penn FC. That once you take the hiatus, it's that much more difficult to try and. Rochester is still supposed to come back in March, by the way. Yeah. Like that's how much <laughs> we've written them off. Is that we're already just like, oh, November, nothing. All right, great. Oh, here's your biweekly check-in on when the last time they tweeted was. Someone fill while I go find it. It just it. It seems it's bad that they're trying, that it's come to this, but. I do sincerely hope they come back, and I think Penn FC, or I think the CPL would be a great place for it. And September fourteenth was the last time Rochester tweeted. Nope, no, that's their pin message. October twenty seventh. Oh, I think, I think Ottawa has it in them to be successful enough to do mm-hmm. that and to figure it out because 
I think I saw someone actually, I think it was Dwayne Rollins wrote something about how they spent 800,000 with NASL about 250,000 with, uh, USL and that they could figure out CPL, you know, they got rid of the coach. He, maybe he left because he could see what was going to happen next year. They just need, you know, maybe they need new owners and a new model and just keep going. Uh, That's what I hope happens. Right now they're owned by um, OSEDGE or OSEG, um, Ontario Sports Entertainment Group. Why do I know this? Uh, I just, I mean, I just read it earlier, but yeah. Uh, who own the, uh, the the terribly named Ottawa Red Blacks uh, and the uh, Ottawa 60s or the Oshawa 67s, one of the minor league uh, uh, teams up there. I don't know if they're, I think they're a juniors team. Uh, anyway, this is all. Uh, yep, 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 the OHL. Uh, the minor, uh, the, it, it's, anyway, the U21 Canadian Hockey League. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I think they're the, the redheaded, well, the third redheaded team stepchild <laughs> of OSCG. Um, I was a joke because all the teams are red and black. But uh, I was scared uh, you were yeah. gonna say redheaded black child or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a little rough. Yeah, um, very. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I think in a perfect world in 2020 they would have been in, in the Canadian Premiership, but apparently no one wanted to talk or something because. Clearly, they haven't made any progress on that, or else we wouldn't be having this discussion. Uh, well, but it, I yeah, just, go for it. I just want to say that I think didn't Concacaf put the hammer down saying you have to play in CPL next year, or else you're done, right? Isn't that the well, last so thing the, we heard? No, the, I think it was the Canadian Federation was like you, like we're not going to let you play in USL, yeah. and then I think Concacaf was like you kind of have to let them play there. Well, I don't think so. I think they said the, this is the last no, time the we're fe- going to let it happen. The federation was like really adamant that they weren't yeah. going to play in USL, and so at least for 2019, it was like no, 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 like they're going to play. Yeah, you um, know where they're. I'm almost certain it was with the understanding that next year that's not happening. That uh, uh, that's what I feel like I read. I'm I'm pretty confident. Yeah. Okay. But so, but now they're not going to play next year, and so you know that's Probably. not good. Um, but maybe they can uh, get it started again in CPL. That's why I'm saying that CPL is a great option for them because it's better than... Well, and I I mean, like, literally geographically and logistically, it makes sense. They would have a team in, you know, another team in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget the York Nine or a thing. Um, And they would soon get another one up in uh, Quebec, and this Quebec FC uh, Laval would potentially be joining. Their only concern would be making the kind of treks out to Pacific Edmonton and Calgary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, the you know, in Canada though, Calgary and, and Edmonton both played in, in Halifax last year, right? Yeah, they did. That was all part yeah. of the, the So, I mean, like apparently the CPL is, has made uh welcome to everything but the USL show this week, but uh, you know, CPL has made it work with these teams coming from, you know, Western Canada all the way out to the Atlantic. So, I would be a little more like I'd be a little more at ease about the travel schedule just because teams on lesser budgets probably have done it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it's listen, the thing that's, that's really going to be uh, difficult for the fury ownership, whoever it might be is if they do in fact go away for a year uh, starting tomorrow, 
that really, really hardcore fan base, kind of like the Rhinos had, isn't necessarily going to stick around, I don't think. Or it's going to take a lot to build them back up. Yeah. Because it was, it was all right, NASL's done. We're going to jump ship. Okay, uh, we might not be playing in 2019 because the Federation's being funny. Oh, okay, we're playing in the USL again, and now it's like, oh, we're just going to fold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like they haven't been able to find like solid footing. There's that worry for sure. Um, but yeah. I will argue, mm-hmm. I will argue that Indy last year, we thought they were done and they got a new owner and look at what they rebuilt. Yeah. You know? um, I, I don't know. I just feel like at least soccer in the U S is less of a really hard pitch than Hey, we're joining this year old, if that league in Canada, where like, yeah, we'll be the cornerstone team. Mm-hmm. Like, I would feel like Ottawa and, and the Eddies would probably just kind of pick up where they left off, and that would be great. But like, is there money in it? No, you know, like, like do we not. know a whole lot about it? Yeah, it's 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 on a weird like third party streaming service that not too many people have heard of, and and you know. Whatever. I mean, that's those are a dime a dozen now, but it'll be interesting. Um, I hope for their sake that the Fury, you know, stay around in some capacity, but all all intents and purposes, it looks like that is not in fact happening. You also don't get rid of a head coach like Popovich like that uh, mm-hmm. if you're playing next year. I think we should tie this in. Uh, Ryan was kind of suggesting this. Nipun Chopra just put out a tweet, and it's a USL tracker. It very much applies to this. Um, he said, USL tracker, and he gives seven points. One, three teams going under. Number two, mm-hmm. at least two teams with new ownership. Mm-hmm. Three, at least one team treating players like expendable commodities. We all know who that is. Number four, two out of three teams poised to join MLS. Five, lot few a lot fewer expansion teams than the last two years i noticed that today actually um six landmark chicago walnut creek did not work out um neither one of them and then number seven owners continue to lose money each year meanwhile uslhq like quote you know what let's crank up that expansion fee to 10 million fam um unquote (laughs) That's a new style quote uh, tweet there for if I ever did I, see one. I'm going to push back on a couple of these because yeah. part of me being a um, part of my role apparently is to push back on the Poon tweets. I, I he's limited uh, social interaction with them, but it's it's not animosity or anything. I just yeah. we disagree a fair bit. Um, I think the USL has gotten a lot better at shutting up about expansion candidates. And that could be a because they don't want to, you know, tip their hand or because they don't want to, you know, I don't know, have a lot of pressure on things. But like we didn't get an email this year from someone being like, I own a team. So that's cool. Hi, Peter. Um, so I, I think USL has been a little bit better at, at, at keeping their cards close to the vest. I don't see why new teams getting new ownership is bad when you look at the quality of that ownership. Yes. Yeah, if you look at Tulsa, those owners have a pretty decent net worth. And if you look down in Charleston, without the ownership, the team. If you look down at Charleston, that dude actually gives a shit. That's the big one for me. It's like. If they don't get a new ownership. The new people that bought in actually, like, get it. Yeah. Tampa. And more than your net worth, like that's what matters. To yes, me, is that 
you're not going to go, oh, I'm not making money after the first year. Well, fuck this. Like, you can't do that. And and I think, you know, gone are the days where we have a bunch of, like, real estate owners that buy huge pieces of land and just want to flip it like we did in Charleston. Um, as much as it sucks that they won't be playing at that park anymore. Um, and then the other one is, like, I don't know. The expansion fee is always going to go up. You've seen it with MLS. Which is, well, it's just the market. Like, the better USL does, the more money they get from TV deals, the more money it's going to cost people that want to play. Because if you don't do that, then you're going to end up with a a NISA thing going on where you have a team in Philly that just folded and another one in New Jersey that wants to come in. USL is getting more and more legitimate and a lot of becoming more of a business. Yeah. And a lot of this kind of the dirty, like people don't want to talk about that, but it's more of a business now. Right. And at some point you kind of have to admit with people talking about millions of dollars in it, you, we may all love this sport for the passion that it is. And we love watching soccer and playing it and being fans of it. But at some point it's a business and it has to make money. Yeah. Yeah. And um, can't blame USO for trying to look out and trying to turn a profit. And you also can't blame and like what I would if you're um if you're Sacramento or if you're Nashville, if you're Cincy, and you own those teams, like if you're if you're Jeff Birding or whatever, and MLS comes along and says, We want to buy your business from you. You know, or we want you to join this very exclusive group of people. Well, yeah, because you don't have to sell. You're already in like you're going to make money regardless. Like, you know, if you look at any of the owners that bought in in like 20, 2008, 2010, it was like 30 million dollars. Now it's what, 300 Forbes actually just uh, pushed out their MLS uh, valuations yeah. of clubs, and Atlanta United was the most valuable team right. in the league, and that was what they were projecting at being worth five hundred million dollars, which so is I, I, I NBA franchise money. I don't think it's like oh, you know, shame on these teams or whatever for not being loyal to the USL. It's like someone's offering to increase your net value by you know. 400% or whatever. Like, yeah, that's where the business part comes in and it kind of sucks, but you know, it is what it is. And I yeah. think a lot of the other stuff and I'll give credit to him as much as he kind of frustrates us at times, like Ryan Madden and Mark height and those guys run a decently tight ship, at least as far as here's things you can put out in the world. Yeah. Here's a bit. A notable quote from this uh, Forbes article that was published. Cincinnati and Nashville agreed to pay $150 million to join up with planned teams in St. Louis and Sacramento coming in at $200 million. The next round for MLS team number 30 is expected to sell for more than $300 million. Yep. That's triple what NYCFC in Orlando paid less than five years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's a staggering 650 100% over the $40 million that Montreal Impact paid Yep. The league in 2012. Jay Sugarman paid $30 million in 2010, and he's worth 300 right now. 
even at the lowest end, Colorado Rapids is considered the least valuable club in MLS, and that's still $190 million. Yep. That's where the money is. People don't realize it, but that's it's the long play. It is still risky, so we can't say these people are greedy for joining the league. You know, like I mean, it's still a risk. Yeah, but that's the long play. These guys should make money if it goes if it keeps going this way. You know what I mean? So, or at least there's opportunity for them. Yeah. To, like, so they're not saints. You know what I mean? Like this, these expansion fees are there for a reason. Yeah. There's there's a valuation. There's money behind it. People outside the league are putting these and values on there. It I all mean, makes sense. To be fair, you have to hire the right people. You know, you do. Like Phoenix Rising is nothing without a their roster, b their coach, and then c a lot of the front office folks. It's not just Sam, but that definitely helps. Like Ford Madison is is nothing without Peter Wilt, who, by the way, new advisor to USL. So yeah, that'll help. Same for Cincinnati that MLS would not have looked at Cincinnati if they did not have the same success at USL. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're filling 30,000 people in an arena and you're a second tier soccer team and you're using a a lot of guys that we thought washed up. So we let them go. All right. (laughs) Oh, Hey, Nashville, you're drawing 4,000. Oh, Oh. that's Mm. another topic. Well, uh, I don't really, um, I just want to say about the expansion fees for USL that, you know, like you guys said, they're trying to be a business and they are trying to build, they can give us like a hundred thousand dollars of that business money. I think we're really on the subject. (laughs) Right. Well, but then we, so my point is we would hopefully spend that on infrastructure so that we can have a more stable business before we start collecting that on building a studio in their office or next to their office or across the street from their office. But I think you get my point is that they're yeah, trying no, to make money and infrastructure and expansion fees are all just part of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. House boat in Tampa. There we go. Right next it. to the stadium. Oh man. Right next to Al Lang. Let's do it. We'd get everybody drunk. It'd be great. Go fishing, drink mm-hmm. beers. Yep. Question time. Quite time. Uh, guys, uh, my question is, why did Twitter let Jason back on it? <laughs> no answer. Good. Good. <laughs> because there isn't one. There Apparently shouldn't be Apparently he's one. back. <laughs> there was a video with lots of uh, takeout. Oh, food. I didn't even need to see the video. I mean, I saw I saw the video. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he has, as we are wont to do, because we're both from the Philadelphia area, we have opinions on cheese steaks. Also, I have a bone to pick with uh, with friend of the show, Alan Underwood, who uh, is no longer allowed to uh, exist uh, after tweeting. I didn't know there was a good cheese steak place in me three hours ago. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Get to their questions, starting with uh, Alan's questions. Which expansion yeah. team will have the best second year, and which one is set for a drop off? Mm, um, I like that. I would argue best expansion team to have a good second year is highly dependent on what El Paso can do in these next potential one and two games. If they go out and win USL Cup, who would have wanted to play for El Paso? Well, there's also not much room for improvement. True. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. I thought that's what you were going for, but yeah, no. I, and and I really think if we're just looking at like who's set up for let's, uh, I'll make it who's set up for success better going into twenty twenty, just because who knows El Paso could win the damn thing. Um, it depends on who they lock down. Like I think Phoenix today just announced they were bringing back like nine guys. Yep. 
uh, like Kevon Lambert's back. Uh, Adam Jones back. Whelan, like, Asante, yeah. yeah, John. Most of their heavy hitters yeah. are back. Uh, as which I'm not surprised by, to be fair, but I digress. If if New Mexico announces that a lot of their like Moars back, even more, back, even more and, players than Phoenix, they're bringing back. Right, I think ten or twelve. Right. So like, if they just add a couple guys, like if they get Carl Hayworth or if they get, you know, uh, I don't know, one or two of the Sacramento boys that are a little frustrated, maybe. Akinyode is available. Everyone Cole is available. Bradley <laughs> Bourgeois is back on the market. That's right. Um, you know, if I had to pick a team that was. Expansion side this year that I think will improve, I would actually side with Loudoun United. Mm. I think that team, yeah. will, if I don't you look know. at their number of goals scored, they have 59 goals scored. Currently, that was either tied with or more than the number of goals scored by all of the top four teams. And they also just like looked better down the stretch. I feel like they have a decent chance at improving once they found yep. their, er, once they basically found their wings, they were able to move on. Hey. And it actually look a lot better down the stretch. I would pick Loudon to be a decent team, and and we look at it this way: they finished only four points off a playoff spot. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that, but I think you have a good argument. So I'm not necessarily going there against you in that so way. In a soccer discussion, what is this? I'm going to go with New, New Mexico United because they are bringing a lot of them back, and all they have to do is like shore up the defense. I feel like they could yeah. pull that off. Um, but if we want to go the other other direction, like who's going to have a really bad year next year, like Hartford worst year, I think Hartford is the easy answer. I think Birmingham is the other one where I'm like, I think they overperformed this year by far. And if they're not willing, able to get a JJ Williams back seven, nothing in a playoff game overperforming. I would say, uh, was it negative 15 goal differential and making yeah. the playoffs? Yeah. I'm just saying if they don't get JJ Williams again next year, they're screwed. That's all I think personally. I think they're in trouble. Another kind of a worrying site. Maybe. I don't know. I think they stay where they're at. I do too. Bottom of the playoffs. I think they'll, they, they could repeat it's that. It's just more of a sign of around them get better because if we're talking about New Mexico bringing back teams and improving them, New Mexico was two spots on the table behind Austin. That's true. Yeah, it is true. One has to fall, I guess one or the other or someone else. Uh, and then what was the other, there was another Jason's Jason's question was good. Do you have it right? I love Jason's questions. I hated everything after the question. (laughs) Uh, at home sweet soccer, Jason Wattrob, one of our League One fund friends, air quotes, fellow Philadelphia suburbanite. What would be more impressive, El Paso winning the cup their first year and on the road, or Louisville City putting three stars above their crest in three times of basking? Uh, it's Louisville. It is, it is unequivocally Louisville. I know, I get it. I saw, I saw the rebuttals, which y'all. Y'all made a mistake. He didn't save it for the pod. All right. That was your first was your first mistake. I get it. They have chemistry. Blah, 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 blah. Three times in a row. Especially at this level. If you look at it from Louisville and D2, it has to be Louisville to win it three years in a row and have the same consistency to have made the at least the Eastern Conference Finals every year of their existence. Believe me, it's impressive for El Paso to win Cup in year one, 
But Sacramento did that in 2014. And well, in the history of USL, well, no team well, has ever won USL Cup on the road. I do think it's more impressive for Louisville to win USL Cup three years in a row. That's 2014 was a different league. They still, it was still impressive enough to it's win. Still it. impressive, but it's, it's did it in 1998 MLS. I mean, Atlanta did it year two MLS. So much mm. more of a different league, and Atlanta has so much more money than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> like. I don't know. Um, I, I get weird about, oh, in 1996, the Columbus crew um, or, or whatever. Sorry, Ryan. That was that was literally directed entirely at you unintentionally. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh, I know. Sorry. Because Philadelphia hasn't experienced much success in there. You asked for that. I think you asked for that. Yeah, at least we haven't relocated yet. We've gotten close. Oh, my God. I might have to step in between. downtown. That that one never faced me, nor will it. Um, I'm kidding, of course. It's fine. Um, I'm going to throw myself off the bellwork. Sorry, I'm going to throw myself off the Commodore Berry Bridge, uh, which is... Never mind. Um, what was I going to say? I think it'll be hard for El Paso to repeat, though. That's kind of what we were talking about, right? Uh, listen, speaking of Philadelphia Union related things, if John Hackworth wins three USL titles in a row, he becomes the best USL coach to ever, to ever do it. Oh yeah. He won the last one, didn't he? Mm -hmm. O'Connor won the first one though, right? O'Connor did win the first Hackle, Hackle of one. I'm gonna two in a row within a, with a squad that he basically inherited. By the way, I was gonna say, are we just gonna give that honor to Lancaster and Ombi and Craig? I'm trying to think of any other repeats if, that have if been. If Brian Ombi scores a goal in the final, he immediately becomes like some sort of weird Michael Jordan of <laughs> of USL. Like, Del Piccolo, McCabe. There's one more. Who's the winger? I, Starts with a J. Jimenez. Yeah, Jimenez. There we go. They I think Mark I got them all now. Kay the first year. Yeah. Like it, the, I think what's more impressive is not only is Louisville just winning titles because they're too lazy to drive a trophy down to Florida. Um, <laughs> the amount of players that they're putting out is insane. Yeah, they're doing a good job. They're figuring things out. Not for their own personal benefit, for, for the most part. I mean, you know, if this, like... If they had Mark Anthony K, they'd be like just absolutely wiping the floor with everybody. It makes you wonder. It makes it you wonder what the tru- really, what the really truth upsetting. is, you know. Uh, and then they can uh, they can you know twist the knife a little bit harder in Nashville on mm-hmm. the on Nashville's way out. Well, and that's and that's kind of the the thing I was going to point to is that uh, like what is the truth about USL players who play in MLS? Is it what happened with, uh, Cincy, you know, Akinyode isn't going to make it up to MLS, which a lot of people thought he would. So it'll be really interesting. I don't know if you saw the tweet. I think it was, was it Ben Wright or was it Speedway soccer pod? There was one of the Nashville, one of our Nashville friends. I forget who it was. Cause I just saw it in passing the actual roster or the contracts for a lot of those guys don't end until the 30th of November. Mm. And the club has left it up to them, like the players, if they want to announce if they're moving on or not. So 
there's probably a lot of things that we're not going to know until the 30th. That's interesting. Because I feel like if you're if you're moving on, you're kind of having some closed door free agent negotiation type things right now. Yeah, well, I've noticed a lot of players have announced it before the team even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Bourgeois announced it pretty quick. Like, I, I mean, it seems like the the front office is really just leaving it up to the players, which mm-hmm. is, I I commend. I think that's really smart. But if you're a player, I think it's in your best interest to try to find your new home before you announce that you're uh, yeah. not quite welcome in your old one. For yeah. sure. And I would because I would also say that some of the, mostly the best players get swallowed up real quick by also the I'm available on. to be anyone's agent if they're. Uh, if they're interested. Have you considered it? It'd be interesting. It'd be an interesting job. You know, I, I might, I might have a talk with somebody tomorrow about that. <laughs> there are a lot of players that I feel like I could sell them better than their agents do. You know, we're biased. We're very biased. Yes. We're very biased. There's a lot of personal bias, but that's what there. makes us so good. <laughs> mm, mm, we believe our own hype. Yeah. Is that how Maverick Carter got big? Was he was just like, A, my name's Maverick Carter, which is insane. <laughs> and then B, like, I'm just LeBron's agent. <laughs> you know? Maybe he anyway. was just a big fan. Maybe. Like, he was like, uh, this guy's yeah, the best. yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, guys, uh, we didn't do predictions. So we'll do that and then we'll leave. Mm. Uh, Ryan, I'm putting you on the spot. Go. I will say Real Monarchs take the Western Conference and Indy gets it done in the East. Wow. Oh, wow. Interesting. Brian, if I may, you do remember that Brian Ombi plays for Louisville City, right? <laughs> I'm also looking at that Indy is unbeaten at home this year. And Louisville has but yet- Brian Ombi in the playoffs plays for Louisville City. Louisville City has also yet... Until last week, they had not won a road playoff game, and they've also yet to Thank win. You. And then they had 60% of the ball in Pittsburgh on their shit field mm-hmm. that's slightly less shit this year. I got to be contrarian to that's you guys. Fine. They literally play on a slam ball court, and they beat Pittsburgh on their slam ball court. Evan, what do you think? Because I'm going uh, to decide mine based on what you say. I have... Uh, Real Mormon Lake 2, <laughs> winning the West over El Paso Locomotive. Sorry. And then uh, as much as I do prefer whiskey to bourbon, I think Louisville City advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. It's okay to just agree with me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to say oh. I'm going to say Louisville versus El Paso. Okay, that's cool. I think they could frustrate the hell out of Monarchs if they really, really uh, A little word of advice. If Monarchs over the offseason can just make it so I don't think their swords look like tiny cocktail swords, that'd be great. On their logo? Uh, yeah, yeah on the logo. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to stick a cherry through one of them, see what happens. <laughs> I'm with you there. Or if that. someone wants to make the line into a cherry, and then we could do... Uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, Monarchs in Louisville City in the final. Uh, I don't think I. You know, listen. We all know the best conference in the USL is the East. So if we can just keep that trophy, you know, <laughs> on this side of the Mississippi, that'd be great. That'd be great. Now, if someone wants to bring it to me, that'd be awesome too. Uh, I haven't touched it yet. I've so. seen it. I could have touched it. I should. Have I haven't it. seen it. Uh, if it if it's actually, can we just get it at the national coaches? Oh, yeah, maybe that could happen. Because I'll just be there. 
That's a good and, opportunity um, for some free Twitterverse. I'll, you know, yeah. I'll lift it up. Yeah, I'll do the. I'll even tease it and then lift it. Like like anyone will care. We can put your favorite cheese Philly cheesesteak inside and eat it. I wouldn't want to do that to the trophy. We could put my favorite <laughs> cheese inside of the trophy. And that, yeah, that would be a good one for a cheesemonger. Mm-hmm. And I can bring Pro, I can bring Provel from St. Louis. It'd be like NHL, and every player and media member gets. Yeah. Their oh man, who would I have like like drink made out with at that point? A lot mm, of people, right? Yeah. Think about it. I don't know. When I was in the uh, UK and went to the uh, National Football Museum, I was able mm. to hold the uh, FA. And uh, I thought that was in Ohio. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Anytime. Uh, Ryan, you should know that you're from there. Uh, anyway, hey, thank you for listening. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks for listening to the completely off the rails episode of the USL, uh, the USL show. This is what happens when we record too late. It's fun. It was good. Uh, it happens. If you want to get in touch, feel free at the USL show on the Twitters. Uh, you can also um, send us a telegram. Pony Express is also available. You send a letter to Pony and then he drives it to us. Um, he drives a, drunk. It's a, it's, a, it's a very underutilized method of letter transportation, but, but try it. It'll get there. Um, until next time, we only have one rule, uh, and Ryan broke it earlier in, in yeah. negging my team, and Jason broke it on Twitter by negging my cheesesteak place. And that rule is just don't be a dick. You make me a man of team. <laughs> they deserve it. They still think Giassi's Argos is worth playing. This is Phil, and I have a special guest, Dom, from Rising as One podcast. Uh, before we talk, I keep doing this. I cannot forget to say thank you to our uh, beautiful game network, uh, part that we are part of. Rising as One is a part of as well, as well as you know, 20 or so podcasts other than that covering USL and women's soccer and MLS at this point. Um, but we are also sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Got that one out correctly this time. Sorry about that, Dom. Uh, thanks for joining me today, man. How you doing? You know, I've been doing better, but uh, right. it's, it's all right. I'm here, I'm at a coffee shop, as you can probably tell with the background music going. And uh, it's all right, though. Um, definitely helps to have a few days of perspective and not moments after the match ended on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. And uh, to kind of give people a background as to why we're, why you're in a uh, coffee house right now, it's because we've tried to connect twice now, and this is our third attempt, and we're just fitting this in on our lunch break, basically, right? <laughs> yes, and I can't really do it any other nights because I'm getting married this weekend. Hey! So... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Tuesday night was kind of the only night that worked tomorrow. I'm picking up suits and then we're going out on Friday and it's kind of a destination wedding. It's not too far though. So that's awesome. So first of all, I got to reprimand you. This is the USL show and you scheduled your wedding the weekend of what would have been the semifinal if Phoenix were to have gone on. What are you thinking, man? So (laughs) it's a Sunday wedding and, um, 
Veterans Day on Monday, so it gives our guests a travel day. Uh-huh. And I knew that Phoenix Rising would be playing on Friday night, so I still would have been able to make it had it come to that. Well, I take it back. You did think things through. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. Um, a little bit about the wedding, though. What, what destination? This sounds exciting. Um, so my fiance definitely wanted to have a water wedding and we live in Phoenix. So that's not a very easy thing to do. Uh, we found Lake Havasu, which is a few hours Northwest kind of between Phoenix and Vegas. And, uh, it's right along the Colorado river. Great price too. So kind of all worked out. Awesome. Well, that sounds great. And congratulations, man. This is really exciting. Um, I hope you have a good time. I assume you're going out with your buddies for a, a party is what you're talking about here. Uh, yeah, that's, that Saturday night will be fun. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, man. Well, let's dig into it. You, you mentioned at the, the head of the show that, you know, things aren't the best. Things did not go as planned for Phoenix as far as after such a good run, best season in the USL historically, um, best team as far as ELO ratings, um, ELO ratings, Ryan has filled us in on that. Uh, but not in the playoffs, unfortunately. Kind of maybe give us a background as to maybe how you were feeling uh, after the, after the, a, such a bad night, such a close game the other night. Yeah, so it was tough. I mean, I think it's a tired sports cliche to say that a team peaks too soon, but we might have peaked too soon. Hmm. Um, our defense really dropped off a little bit. If you look at the match-by-match uh, match score lines in September or October, we weren't shutting teams out the way we were during the summer where it seemed like every single weekend we could get a free car wash. One of our sponsors does free car washes and we get a shutout. And, uh, you know, the first round was actually the first time we'd shut a team out in over a month. So it had definitely been, um, a little bit more stressful at the end of the year. And I think people that were really tuned in on the Western conference, um, knew that this wouldn't be as much of a cakewalk, especially when you looked at Monarch's form coming into that match having won seven of their previous nine matches and they took the four corners cup from us on our home field. Yeah. You guys were digging in on that and, and maybe it is a, cl- a cliche um, that you pick too soon, but it's a cliche for a reason. You look at real monarchs in the past several seasons, they peak too soon too. Typically that's their move. You know, they're so good in the beginning to middle of the season. And then they just dump out of the playoffs, kind of like Reno and a few other teams out there. You could say the same thing about, ah, actually, I don't want to say that about Pittsburgh, but, um, anyway, I think that's a thing. And that's something I hold strong to when I do my pickums and things like that. Um, but you know, it was in the cards for you guys to win in a lot of ways and some other ways it wasn't you mentioned the good streak for the monarchs not to mention phoenix you guys you showed some signs of wear and tear toward the end of the season a little bit of trouble with asante scoring was that what was the message there or what was the talk amongst yourselves in that regard you know i wasn't too concerned about the penalties because you know, I thought that should a penalty situation arise in the playoffs, Rick Schantz would go to Adam John. And there was actually some interesting, uh, you know, right at the end of the Austin match, you'll notice that Solomon Asante did not take a penalty kick in that win. And he was actually subbed out less than 10 minutes before the end of the second period of extra time. And there was a, a clip from Rick Schantz. He was talking about the conversation with Solo. He wanted to take Solo out to bring on a second attacker. And he said, but I won't take you off if you don't feel comfortable with that. Mm. And Solo said, 
I'm okay. I don't need to be in for the shootout. And so that was internally a very interesting storyline. Um, and so I actually wasn't too concerned about penalties, but I, I think defenses were keying in on what made the rising attack so potent. And that was giving us space and allowing us to work with that space. Um, you look at the defensive organization in late season matches of Austin and certainly Monarchs in both of their wins against us. Those teams were really stout. And as a result, it was tougher for rising to get goals. Even the match we won three, one over OKC, two of those goals came off set pieces and it was becoming a trend in the late season. It was becoming a struggle to score out of open play. Yeah. So do you think that was because of getting tired? Do you think defenses were figuring Phoenix out in any way? Anything, any other thoughts in that regard? I, I, I wouldn't say tired had a factor to do with it. I mean, every team plays the same number of matches and we actually had, you know, a full week before our first round match. Um, there was a stretch there in September where we had to do, you know, a couple, uh, two matches in a week, weeks there, but it wasn't too bad. I would say the bigger thing is just defense is growing wise. I mean, we had a lot of tape out there and in most of the matches where we were blowing teams off the pitch, we were scoring early and then they had to open up more and then we could just blast them mm-hmm. in those spaces. And so a lot of it too was like the very intricate passing in small windows to create great chances. And so what I noticed in those two playoff matches is Austin and Monarchs, they just had so many guys behind the ball at a lot of points. And that's, that's different than parking the bus. I would not say Monarchs parked the bus, but they had very good defensive organization and it was just difficult to find those windows where we could slide balls through, you know, the interplay between Flemings and Asante, um, the interplay on the left wing between Flemings and maybe Baccaro. You weren't able to see that as much because these defenses were so organized. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad you brought that up because look, getting, we looked into, we streamed a little bit before the game. Um, it was, it was chaotic, uh, cause it was our first attempt in a long time after YouTube kind of changed this policy. But, um, one of the things we talked about was the lineups came out and I hadn't been as familiar with Phoenix, but, you know, looking at the lineups, you know, having Kalistri in as an aid or something similar to that in the central midfield, I just felt like you guys were going to attack, attack, attack. Um, and it turns out, you know, I heard on your podcast about, I haven't had a chance to read this, but the rising tactics, they mentioned how, uh, real monarchs was three in the back. So those things combined, I just expected this to be like a five, three match. I thought it would be open as hell. And in the first, in the first half, we got two goals or, you know, two goals to one side and one goal on the other. And then it just got shut down. As you just mentioned, you know, monarchs were defending, and I just didn't see it playing out that way. Did you have similar thoughts? Did you think it was going to be a crazy game as far as attack? And then we're a bit surprised uh, or did you see something like that happening after the Monarchs went ahead? Well, I did see it being, I did see it being more open. Like you did maybe not the five to three, but I saw the winner of this match needing three goals to win. And I thought it would go to extra time. And, and, you know, this brings about some topic talking points too, because there certainly could have been more goals. If there was a different ref in this match, there were two penalty shouts, one for each team that were not called. And, uh, I would argue both should have been called. Hmm. Um, that's a different point, you know? Yeah. I don't want to blame the refs because you should never be in a spot where you're relying on a penalty to equalize. But 
I think if the if the shove on Junior Flemings does get called, and I think that's a play that has been called most of the time in the Western Conference this season. There have been plays where there's been less contact that have been called. Just ask any El Paso fan um, hmm. on the penalty against Adam John, which I will admit was weak as hell, and it gave us a 2-1 win. Much more contact here, but there's not a call. And I think if that goes in, you know, now we're talking about a 2-2 match with over 25 minutes left still. Mm-hmm. And then you start really throwing things to the wind. Yeah, that's a totally different game and one that, you, well, you could argue isn't more in Phoenix's favor. But then again, Monarchs are a similar team, not in the way they play exactly, but just in that they could score at any moment. And that's the, the way they go. So that is a really yeah. good point. And, and I, and I want to uh, give some credit to Monarchs, too, because I think the natural tendency is to, you know, blame rising, throw stuff on our guys. We're the ones that had the great regular season and then we blew it. But really, Monarchs, in both wins against us in the last month, they did not play afraid. They were ready to take it to us. They went toe-to-toe. I think a lot of teams will really just try to pack it in the back. But they have opportunistic attackers like Jack Blake, like Michael Chang, these dudes that have been in USL a long time, Justin Portillo, and they aren't afraid to take their chances. And they're not intimidated either. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to respect what they did in both those matches. Um they played confident. A lot of teams falling behind one nil on the road in the playoffs in that atmosphere would have just backed down and given up. And instead they turned it up several notches. Yeah. I completely, completely agree with all of that. Um, and as in regards to the penalties, I'm glad you brought them up. Um, or the, you know, the non calls I should say. Um, and we talked off air about it and very shortly after, and you had a very level head about it all. Um, you weren't super angry. Whereas after a game, I might've been, if it were St. Louis FC in my situation. Um, but you know, I appreciate your thoughts on that. I think, I think I'm really glad. And I think we'll talk about this more on, on Thursday, Thursday night. Um, with the full group, but you know, and, and if I were to lean one way or another, I am, I'd would rather have a no call, especially if there's two equal equaling each other. Um, but I think your best argument is what you said, which is in a lot of other games throughout the season that would have been called. And, and, um, I think you had some really good points there. I'm glad you kind of spoke your piece about it. Yeah. And again, that's, that's shouldn't be the thing that define this game. Um, one right. thing that you do have to give credit. One thing you have to give credit to this ref for is that he called it both ways. Um, He was letting a lot go, but it was not benefiting one team significantly over the other team. Mm -hmm. Kind of like an umpire with a big strike zone. As long as he's calling it both ways, you can't really complain too much. We had a much better chance to tie this match in the 75th minute Mm -hmm. um, where Adam John puts a header in and the rebound bounces perfectly to Joey Farrell from two yards out. And it just bounces off his kneecap and goes over the bar. I mean, you have no one to blame but yourself in that situation. So, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I'm just going to give you a chance. Is there anything else you want to say about this game before we kind of talk about a few other things and sign off here? Any any other thoughts about that Phoenix, that last game of the season, or, or even the season itself? I think, I think um, USL fans as a whole. I know it's easy to pile on the uh, the memes and stuff, and of course, go for it, but. <laughs> Also remember, like, this is a pretty insane accomplishment. 20 wins in a row. I don't think that's going to be something that's equaled anytime soon. And part of Phoenix's struggles at the end of the year is just that we weren't getting some of those breaks, those lucky breaks that we were getting during the streak. Because I can tell you 
there were three or four matches during that streak. We had no business winning Hmm. and it was just lucky breaks, maybe a call here and an insane goal there that gave us those wins. You know, eventually everything evens out and that's what happened here. But um, I think this was still a mostly successful season and there's a lot to build on. And uh, I hate to break it to you if you're a fan of a, of a rival of Phoenix, but I would expect most of the guys to come back next year. And I would expect us to still be not a 78 point squad, but still a strong squad. Yeah. 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 And, and you will have, will have learned from this experience. So that'll be fun to check out. And that's something we will a hundred percent bring you back for next year. As far as, you know, in the preseason, we'll have to get an idea of how the team is building and, and who they signed on and, Phoenix is the team that can make make a splash, and uh, it's going to be really fun to see who they bring in next year. Uh, Sam's already Sam Dor's already kind of hinted that something crazy might happen, so <laughs> which isn't surprising. Do, uh, do you want any thoughts on the Western Conference Final? Yeah, let's do it. I, I think we should move on to that, um, just because um, I'm, you've seen these teams more than I have. So, Monarchs versus El Paso. Did you see this coming at all? Um, I actually correctly predicted El Paso in the Western conference oh. finals. So not to toot my own horn a that's little great. bit, but yeah. you can not hear me patting myself on the back, but that's what's <laughs> happening right now. El Paso is the second strongest team in the Western conference down the stretch. If you look at their form since September, I think they only have one loss in that stretch. They really came on strong key sweater coming back is always a huge help, but it's also been guys like Sebastian Velasquez, uh, Logan Ketterer, their goalie, who's quietly put together a phenomenal season. Um, Save and the I think playoffs. that defense doesn't get enough love either. Yep. That being said, this Monarchs team is just such a juggernaut, and they're always better at home. All you have to say about that is their last two home matches, they defeated Orange County and Sacramento Republic by a combined 9-2 scoreline. So... Good luck with that. Right. (laughs) And that is something you guys covered on your show. Um, I don't know if you can hear it from there. My kid is getting very restless in the next room over, and I probably should call it there. So I apologize if you had a lot more to say there, Dom. Uh, But you you guys did a great job breaking down the game and all the other things we were talking about, even the finals, in your show. So everyone go check out Rising is One podcast. Um, You guys are really steady with how many shows you put out. So well done. Hey man, we try, but it's, it's the off season now. We're definitely going to do some load management. (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. And you got to spend some time with your new wife coming up here. So, um, pile that on because she's going to off too much. (laughs) Exactly. And like I was about to say, pile on now because she's going to hate you when the season starts up again. As my wife does. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad we were able to kind of make this work and um, good luck going into next year. We'll catch up with you then, man. Yeah, no problem. 